from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I was going to speak on Jesus' love, but I felt such a sense this morning to speak on, on Leah. Leah's the one we don't often think about very much in the Bible, but I want to just talk about Leah, because I believe Leah has got incredible lessons to really teach us. Uh, she's this, I think she's a hero of faith. We never hear much about her, but I think she's an incredible hero of faith. And I think a lot of us are going to really be blessed as we, we learn something about Leah's life. Because really, Leah's life really is about a legacy. I thought what a legacy is. A legacy is what you're remembered for. What you kind of left behind. Really, it comes from what you're passionate about. It comes from what you care about. You see, being Leah would be very, very sad unless we saw something of the legacy that she left behind. I just want you to see this, a powerful legacy that, that Leah left behind. Because we live in a culture that really is all about today. Today counts. Not in a sense the day doesn't count. But I just believe we, we need to live our lives and see something even beyond our life. As you begin to invest your life, as you begin to pour out your life and invest in other people's lives, God wants to cause you to leave something that is beyond your life. A legacy, something that you kind of left behind. Anyway, look at Genesis 29, verse 16. Genesis 29, and we're just going to read verse 16. Now, we're going to look at a few aspects of, of Leah's life. Let's look at from verse 25, so you get the whole, the whole floor of it. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, he was Leah, Verse 16, where am I? Verse, just see if you're awake. Okay. Verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful, of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, for your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give it to you, that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they only seemed a few days to him because of the love he had for her. So here's the first thing. Being Leah means growing up in a Rachel world. Rachel, we're told here, was a, a younger sister. And basically the Bible says that Rachel was gorgeous but Leah basically wasn't. So there's this picture. How about you? I'm always somebody who always kind of roots for the underdog. Only sometimes I like to. That's why I support Birmingham City. You kind of root for the underdog. You know, for a lot of years I've always rooted for the underdog. And we kind of tend to, and all the others, you know, I mean, you always tend to root for the underdog. And here is Rachel, if you like, Leah, 
growing up with a perfect sister. A sister is, is like perfect. She's loved by a man who's willing to work seven years for her. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you're going to work seven years? We're not talking about six months. We're not even talking about a year. We're talking seven years. And he's so in love with her, those seven years just go like that. Can you imagine to be lo- that kind of lover that he loves her with? And we see that in, in the scripture that really what Leah's all about is that Leah had no one who really loved her. In fact, if you read, her name actually means weary or tired. In fact, one translation says her name means cow. <sighs> so you can see all is not going well for her in life at the moment. And don't worry, the story gets worse, okay, as we go on. <laughs> and I wonder this morning, as we look at this, do you ever feel that you're like a Leah living in, kind of, in, in a kind of Rachel's world? You know what I mean by that? Somebody gets the job that you wanted. Somebody has that perfect relationship that, that, that you really want. You look at somebody else and everything in their life seems to be so perfect for them. They never seem to go through the problems that you go through. Never seem to go through the experiences that you go through. Everything seems to work together for them. Everything seems so perfect for them. They seem to have the perfect family. They seem to have the perfect life. Everything seems to be so perfect for them. What happens if you're a Leah living in a Rachel world. And what comes out of this story is this, and I think it's so amazing, and that word came this morning which confirms it. God sees it. God knows where you are. He knows the issues you face. He knows those things are, are, are wearing you out in life. And I believe every one of us at some point feels like a Leah in a Rachel world. Feel that things aren't going as perfectly as it appears to be for other people. And we feel like we're a Leah in a Rachel's world. I think being Leah also means the times you face serious rejection. You think about this. Ever had that experience? And I'm sure you ever, I always remember this. I remind myself, Tom, do you ever that, that moment where you kind of stand in the Remember this? And you used to stand in the line. And people used to put the, pick the football team. Or for the ladies, or probably men possibly, the netball team. And you're just standing there. And they pick other people, pick you, pick everyone else. And, and you're kind of there. And it's, oh, we'll probably have you. We'll, we'll just have you, almost. Uh, we'll have you because there's no one else to have. You know, that kind of feeling. Ever had that feeling? And often those kinds of things in life where, where often... Other people seem to be picked before you. Maybe somebody else gets the promotion that you needed. Maybe you constantly feel in your heart that you're the one that continually feels overlooked. A Leah in a Rachel world. And this is where it gets really bad. Look at verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. That's a good way to speak to your future father-in-law. For my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. 
And Laban gathered together all the men of the palace and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zippah to the daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the servant, which you will also serve we still another seven years. Then Jacob did so, fulfilled her week. So he also gave him his daughter Rachel as he also. Ever ask yourself this question? How come he didn't know? I mean, think about it. You marry someone... You spend an evening, you feel like you spend that, your honeymoon night with someone and you don't know who it is. That's a kind of, that's a kind of frightening thing. How come he didn't know who it was? Have thought about that? To understand that you need to know the culture of that day. When they got married, they were very, very heavily veiled. Very, very heavily veiled. To the point you wouldn't know who the person was. The veils were very powerful, very strong. So you wouldn't know who the person was. Also, they're in the desert. The darkest place almost you could ever be is the desert. A place where there's no artificial light through it. Almost it's darkness beyond your comprehension. And suddenly he realizes that when he wakes up, he says it all. It was Leah, she senses his anger. He's saying, you're not the one that I really wanted. How would you have felt this morning? To have a husband who wishes you were somebody else. Who has no interest in her whatsoever. She's given her life. She's given her virginity. And all she hears is that you are not the one that I want. Think about this. What about the father Laban? Think about father Laban. He gave her away through deception. Can you imagine what this does to your self-image? We're going to so heavily, heavily veil you because nobody else is going to want you. Nobody else is going to want you. So we're going to so heavily veil you. We're going to give you to someone through deception. We don't want you. And neither does this guy you're about to marry. Living like a Rachel, like a, a Leah in a Rachel world means at times there's that this incredible sense of rejection. How do you handle situations in life when you feel you're pushed away? When your presence isn't desired? When you go through those powerful times and it impacts you? I believe with all my heart that God is the healer of deep rejection. God was taking note where Leah was. Maybe through rejection you've had your confidence shaken. You've It's caused a low self-image. It's caused all kinds of trust issues in your life. And I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to go into the depth of your heart and bring into your heart the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Because the answer to rejection is acceptance. To know that you're accepted in the Beloved. To know that you're accepted through Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring a word to you today. He says, I am the God who can help you through those times. I am the God who can heal your rejection. I am the God who can so touch your life.
Because I see beyond today. I'm the healer. The Bible says that he was despised and he was what? Rejected. Jesus was rejected. I believe one of the, the benefits of the cross, if you like, is that we can know acceptance. We can have healing of deep rejection, hurts and wounds. All by the cross. As I bring my hurt, as I bring my rejection to his cross, he goes to the depths of my being. And by the Holy Spirit, he brings the experience of the cross into my life and lifts all my rejection. Can you say amen? The thing I love about Leah, get a hold of this. This is not the end of the story. Okay? I think we lose so much because the thing that we're facing, sometimes we can think that's the end of the story. I found this. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Get a hold of it. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Whatever you're facing, get a hold of this. It's not over until God says it's over. Say amen to that. It's not over until God says it's over. God took note of her pain. God saw her heart. God saw her tears. God felt her rejection. And God sees you today and understands exactly where you are. God can see stuff in you you can't even explain about yourself. He sees everything you face today and he wants to put hope in that. When you get a hold of that. God wants you to be full of hope. The devil wants you to be full of hopelessness. The devil wants you to look of how far you need to go. God wants you to see how far you've come. God wants to do those incredible things in your life. David said this. He says, I would have fainted if I would have not believed I would see the goodness of God. I think with all my heart, the greatest foundation I've built on my life in recent years is the goodness of God. I speak about it a lot because it's become an incredible foundation in my life. So I realize without that revelation, without that understanding, we struggle in life. Unless you truly believe and the very foundation of your heart is this very fact, the goodness of God. You're always going to struggle with issues and challenges of life. I lived a lot of my years, I'd even preach it. I could probably tell you verse after verse about it. But deep in my heart, I really question the goodness of God. I went through stuff in life. I went through discouragements, if you like. And deep in my heart was this question. Was God really good after all? Until I came to a point where I really settled it in my heart, once and for all, without any shadow of doubt, that God was good, and he was good all the time. That's what really established me in faith. That's what really established me in God. Because I began to worship a God that I knew was good. I began to pray to a God that I knew was good. I began to read the word of a God that I knew was good. And that's why the Bible has so much to say about the goodness of God. His wrath is but for a moment. But his goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. His mercy goes from everlasting to everlasting. I believe with all my heart, the real thing that you need to get down in the depth of your being is God's good. When you understand that, then you can understand this. That all things work together for good. Unless I believe God is good, I'll never really believe that. I'll always question when the hard times and, and the things hit my life. I really will wonder how that's going to turn out. 
If I really have a revelation, God's good all the time. And I know, no matter how hard or how bad it looks, eventually, at some point, God is going to so work it and so turn it round that it will work for the benefit of my life. Can you say amen? I need to get a hold of that. God knows where you are. And the God that knows where you are is a God who is what? Good. Look at verse 31 to verse 34. I love this one. That's what it says. When the Lord saw Leah. Get a hold of that. When the Lord saw Leah. When the Lord saw her. When the Lord saw Leah was unloved, he opened up her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son, because the Lord had heard that I'm unloved. He therefore gave her this son, and she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son. And she said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I bore him three sons. Because his name shall be called Levi. What a message that is today. To know we're loved by God. I believe with all my heart the world needs to hear the message. We're loved by God. So many broken, so many hurting, so many shattered people need to hear the incredible truth. They are loved by God. Now notice this. He enabled her to have a son. And she called his son Reuben, which means behold a son. And she says, now there's one thing I can do that Rachel can't do. Ever that sometimes with your siblings, your brothers and sisters? Oh, there's one thing I can do they can't do. Ever had that feeling sometimes? That exuberant sense, I can do something they can't do. They are so perfect in everything they do, but now I can do something they can't do. And that was that kind of feeling. Now maybe I can get my husband's attention. I want you to see something. Leah never ever gave up. She shed tears but wasn't self-absorbed. She never stopped loving her husband. She never gave in to self-pity. She never ran away. I think that is the issue. Many people run away from things or they pull away from things. When I believe with all my heart, they give up too quickly. They give up too soon. There's a truth I've always believed. When you see giants in the land, that doesn't mean you're further away. That means you're almost there. When you see the obstacles, when you see the problems, that is not a sign that you're out of it. That's a sign you're right in the midst of it. And I believe people begin to pull back on their commitments, can pull back on the work from God. And we need to learn from Leah, even though it's tough, even though there's challenges, even though there's obstacles, I am not giving up. Amen. I'm not giving up. And she never gave up. Our culture... He's so wanting quick fixes situations. We want a quick fix it issue. But I believe in the things of God, we need to let God work it through in his time. And if we want to 
move out. Uh, and there will be tough situations. There will be challenges. There will be obstacles. And all the time, God is training up warriors. I believe that with all my heart. He doesn't want Christians who are so easily discouraged, so easily put down. He wants Christians who are warriors, amen. Got a warrior spirit. They're going to push through. They're going to hold on to the things of God. They just know that God is going to bring them through. I love this quote, and I think I'd put it on, on my door if I could. I'm not a quitter. I'm a multiple starter. I'm going to write that down. I'm not a quitter. I'm a multiple starter. I kind of like that. So instead of quitting, hold on, believe your victory will come. Amen. There's this other thing. But don't pull back. Don't quit. See it through. Push through. And there's this next thing. Being Leah means we rely on the Lord rather than seeking the approval of others. Look what she says there in verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore his name is Judah. Then she stopped bearing. She had a son and she called the son Judah. Which means praising. I think in her mind now, there's a, there's a mind change. You know what she was saying? I'm going to quit trying to live my life, trying to make people happy. I'm going to stop living my life seeking to win other people's approval. Almost she was saying, I've been trying to find my worth in having children. I've been trying to find my value in having children. And I think people could spend so much time, so much energy in trying to find their worth in things outside God. And here's the thing. The moment we try to find our value outside of the things of God, it never truly satisfies us. It never truly meets that cry in our hearts. And almost she was saying, I can't continue to live my life trying to make everybody happy. I can't constantly live my life trying to satisfy the people around me. I just can't keep everyone in my marriage. Maybe it doesn't ever seem enough. The kids expect too much. My friends make endless demands. I'm constantly trying to live my life trying to make people happy. And from this time forth, I'm quitting. The only person I'm living for, really, is the audience of one. Just from now on, I'm calling his name Judah because I've realized the only way I can ever do it is to live my life pleasing God. I'm never going to make everybody happy. Have you found that? You're never going to make everybody happy, so why keep trying? Live for the audience of one. Live to please God. And that was Leah's life. She came to a point where she says, I can't make everyone happy, but I know I can please God. I'm going to praise my God through the trials, through the tears. I choose whatever I'm going through in life, I choose from this time forth 
I am going to praise God. Can you say amen? Judah, I'm going to live my life making sure I'm living for the audience of one. I'm going to live my life seeking to make sure I'm going to make a quality decision to keep praising God. Let me give you another quote. I kind of like this one. A successful person is someone who can lay a foundation with the bricks somebody, somebody throws at him. Amazing thing. I build my life. No matter what people throw at me, I'm still going to keep praising my God. And in fact, I'm going to use it to praise him even more. I love David. and He had that, he had that attitude. That when people try to quieten him, when people try to stop him praising, he says, you know what, I'm going to praise the Lord even more. The more opposition I get, the more difficulties I get, that doesn't pull me back, that pulls me forward. I'm going to praise God even more. And if you would develop that attitude, God would do amazing things in your life. Can you say amen? Now listen to this. I love this part. Go with me to Genesis 49, because what a powerful truth this next thing is about Leah. Genesis 49 and verse 13. So we'll read from again verse 29 of Genesis 49. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered, this is Jacob speaking, so I'm going to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephraim the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machapath, which is before Mammon, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham brought with the field of Ephraim the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. Then they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. There I buried Leah. The field in the cave that is their purchase from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into his bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Let me see something powerful. Where you were buried... And who you were buried with was massive in that culture. Literally said, he says, bury me with Leah. Isn't that amazing? What an incredible thing. I just love it. Sometimes we don't always see the results that we're sowing straight away. Sometimes we don't always see immediate results. Sometimes you just got a hold in there. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying. Keep confessing the word. Keep obeying. Keep praising. And the Bible says, in due time you shall reap. You shall reap. You know what I found often in the waiting times? In the waiting times, God does something in us. Have you found that? He brings that attitude adjustment. He develops the faith. Sometimes we're not in the right place where we are to receive the promise and God has to do a work in us. So we're, our hearts and our characters in that in alignment for that promise of God to be fulfilled. And Leah learned that some things take a long time. And because she kept loving her husband, kept doing what she was doing, then God did an amazing thing. Can you say amen? Let me close with this, and I love this one. Because of Leah... We have an amazing, powerful legacy. You think about it. Here is Leah, forced into a marriage. Her sister resented her. Her husband didn't start loving her to the very end. 
Yet through Leah, we've got this incredible legacy. We are told that she had a son called Levi. In other words, the priestly line came from, from Leah. The priestly line. Think of all the, the priests. Moses came through Leah. That means the five books of the Bibles are a result in one sense of Leah. The Ten Commandments really are a result really of Leah. The Bible says she had a son called Judah. Think who came through the line of Judah. King David, Solomon, all the great kings came through that line. And let's even go right to the very end. Jesus himself came through the line of Judah. So in a sense, Leah is even a result of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And she left a legacy that she didn't even realize. She held on to God and believed God could work in a situation. She hung in there, even when she felt unloved, even when she felt unwanted, even when she felt rejection. She didn't quit. I think some of the people who leave the greatest legacy of all didn't even realize they did. They just lived their life out before God for people. They just loved people. They just obeyed the word. They just prayed. They just lived their life out of God and they didn't realize the impact and the influence they had on them people's lives. I can look back on my life. I can think of people that I'm here today because of people that probably, whose names no one would even know. Some of the greatest miracles, some of the greatest evangelists, some of the greatest men of God are there because of people we've never even heard of today. They left an amazing legacy because they just lived their life out before God and allowed that influence to impact and touch others. And they changed the course of history. So I'm saying this morning, don't give up on that grandpa. Don't give up on that child that seems so far away. Don't give up on that work colleague that seems to have given you a hard time. Keep pouring into them. Keep encouraging them. You're not just a mom. You're a life builder. You don't just have a job. You've got a calling. You're part of something much bigger than yourself. And God can take the leaders of this world and do incredible things. The seed of, a, the seed of Leah changed nations. I'm just thinking of the things that are in you this morning. I'm thinking of all the potential, all the ability, all the talents, all the resources that God has put in your life. And those things are put in your life, the seeds that are in your life, if we would just come and allow God to work in us, they're going to explode through our lives and achieve amazing, incredible things. I think God's looking for hearts where he can plant the dream, where he can plant a destiny inside it. The Bible says this, and I'll close with this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ. In other words, God has got a high expectancy on your life, not because of you, but because who is in you. Christ in you, the, the hope of glory. The, if you were, the glory is, is the manifest presence of God. That God's got amazing things for your life because of who's in you. Hope is expecting something good is going to happen. You know why something good is going to happen? 
Because there's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not because of me, but because of who is in me. The seed, the the promise, the anointing, the power. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence indwells me and lives in me. So why shouldn't we have high expectation? Why shouldn't we believe that we can do amazing, incredible things for God? So Leah understood this. Unloved, but loved by God. All kinds of opposition, all kinds of things that would be contrary to her life, yet believed in the midst of it, she could still leave an incredible legacy. This touched the nation, that's touched the world. How many are glad for Leah? And that same God who picked up somebody so unloved, somebody who the world almost has cast aside and despised, God picked her up and used her to change nations. God can pick you up, amen. And do such amazing, incredible things in your life. Just say, Lord, come. Touch my life today. This is a podcast from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Delancey Elim Church building at Lake Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.